Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, March 6th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. New signs of hope in the fight against COVID-19 as the U.S. launches a new effort to get residents vaccinated. With a new jobs report showing the economy heading in the right direction, President Biden traveling to Louisiana to push his massive infrastructure plan. And another night of deadly unrest in Colombia, demonstrators and police increasingly turning violent as a number of cities register more dead, along with growing reports of residents missing. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. Begin with some pretty good news emerging from federal officials. The end of the pandemic could be closer to reality. The CDC reporting declining cases of coronavirus and predicting infections will fall even more by July. Lorraine Casares has the latest on the pandemic. Finally, some good news in the fight against COVID-19. The CDC now projecting the number of new cases could fall sharply by July. Yesterday, CDC reported just over 32,000 new cases of COVID-19. Our seven-day average is about 48,000 cases per day. This represents yet another decrease of about 12% from the prior seven-day average. And every day, with the daily cases continuing to fall, we are hopeful about these really encouraging trends. The seven-day average of hospital admissions also dropping by 10% from the previous seven-day period, and deaths have also declined to a new low of 400 per day. Health officials continuing to make their push for mass vaccinations. The rate of daily shots has now dropped by 20%. If you are in a particular community, a town, a city, or what have you, and you have the 70% vaccination that the president is aiming for, with a single dose in adults, and you will see, guaranteed, the level of infection go very low, you can start looking at things that you were restricted from doing, that gradually you will see the CDC lifting the restrictions. The White House ready to move quickly with the inoculation of 12 to 15-year-olds once approved by the FDA. We know that kids want to go to camp this summer. We know parents want them to be safe. We know that parents prefer to have that done if they want that done without masks. Vaccinations are the best answer. Um, so we are prepared to move as quickly as we can after any kind of authorization. But despite the positive outlook, health officials warning the situation can change quickly. Although we are seeing progress in terms of decreased cases, hospitalizations and deaths, variants are a wild card that could reverse this progress we have made and could set us back. A new study now confirming the Pfizer vaccine is very effective against the UK and South African variants by 89 and 75 percent. But the Indian variant is still a concern. We are collecting data right now in real time and hopefully within the next several days to a week, we'll be able to make a determination as to what the effect of antibodies induced by our vaccines are against that particular variant. Now the CDC is letting cruise lines run trial trips with volunteer passengers. It's part of a step toward allowing them to resume normal operations in U.S. waters. The ships must have a capacity of 10% or more. Participants have to be fully vaccinated or get a doctor's note saying they are not a high-risk category for COVID-19. The CDC is also providing cruise lines with health procedures.
In economic news, U.S. jobless claims last week dropped to 498,000, a new low during this pandemic. That number is a drop of nearly 100,000 from the previous week. While the jobs market still has a long way to go before it fully heals, improvement has been accelerated in recent weeks as restrictions on activities continue to be lifted. And now to the White House, President Biden is traveling to Louisiana to sell his $2 trillion American jobs plan. And the plan includes investment in infrastructure, housing and job training. But the president's proposal faces major Republican opposition. Edwin Pitti has the details. Edwin. Carolina, President Biden heads to Louisiana today to pitch his job and infrastructure plan. He's making stops in Lake Charles to talk in front of a nearly 70-year-old bridge and also in New Orleans to highlight issues with the city's water system. This should be interesting because the president's push for his $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan is happening today in a Republican state which is a direct challenge to GOP lawmakers who say that low taxes for corporations and the wealthy will fuel economic growth. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he won't support Biden's infrastructure package. Take a listen. Yeah, 100% of my focus is on stopping this new administration. I think the best way to look at what this new administration is. The president may have won the nomination, but Bernie Sanders won the argument about what the new administration should be like. Biden says his White House will negotiate with Republicans and that's and that he's willing to compromise on many parts of the proposal. However, he will sell directly to GOP voters the idea that higher corporate taxes can provide $115 billion for roads and bridges and also hundreds of billions of dollars more to upgrade the electrical grid, make the water safer, rebuild homes and jumpstart the manufacturing of electric vehicles. On Wednesday, President Biden addressed the nation on how the COVID-19 relief bill has helped Americans and focus on the restaurant industry. The president stopped by a taqueria in Washington, D.C. to highlight his administration's $28.6 billion program to help restaurants that lost business because of the pandemic. The Restaurant Revitalization Fund, that's what it's called, the Revitalization Fund, will provide direct relief to restaurants and the hard-hit food establishments, bars, bakeries, food stands, food trucks, and caterers. Businesses that get grants can use it to cover payroll, rent, utilities, supplies, everything they need to start to stay open and to reopen. The president's focus is also on his big next legislative priority, another $2 trillion package focused on education, child care, and paid family leave. According to Biden, everything he's proposing is aimed to generate economic growth, employment, and it will put the U.S. in a position where the country can outcompete. Congress comes back from recess next week, and President Biden will meet with Republicans to continue negotiations on the approval of two of his major legislations to the state. Live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Carolina.
Thank you, Edwin, reporting live from Washington, D.C. And as Edwin just noted, the next big project for President Biden is his American Families Plan, a $1.8 trillion investment in universal preschool paid family leave and child care. And joining me now to discuss the plan is Professor Yoya Misra. She's a professor of sociology and public policy at the University of Massachusetts. Thank you so much for your time, Professor. Thank you for including me. Before we go into the details, Professor, many Republicans are opposed to the kind of spending Biden is proposing, but how badly do American families need this assistance? American families really need this assistance. Uh, the United States spends substantially less on support for families than uh, any other wealthy country. And the the truth is that investing in American families and children is actually really a good thing for the economy. It strengthens the economy. And now just on that, President Biden is proposing free preschool for children ages three to four. How can this plan really, really help families? Well, pre-universal pre preschool is pretty amazing because it has all sorts of positive outcomes. It helps parents balance care and employment, but it also helps ensure that children are ready for school. Currently, only some families can afford preschool, and that leads to an achievement gap, uh, gap that starts before kids are five and continues throughout their schooling. Latinx kids are particularly underrepresented in preschools. In one current study, we find that only 1% of Latinx three and four-year-olds are in high-quality public preschool programs. Um, so the plan really would make a pretty large um, impact, and it also includes making child care for younger kids free for low-income families and capping the cost for child care at 7% for middle-class families. And the president is also proposing extending the child tax credit beyond 2025. How does this and his other proposals hope to eradicate childhood poverty? Well, this is a program that is based on a child tax credit in Canada that has reduced poverty by uh, 50 percent for children and for children and families. Um, currently, we know that uh, about 22 percent of Latinx kids live in poverty in the United States, and these credits will lift more than four million of these children out of poverty. Um, the tax credit of $3,600 for kids under six and $3,000 for kids six to 17 means that families can pay for housing, food, clothing, educational supplies, all the things that you need to do if you have kids. And another part of his plan is paid family leave. How would that exactly work? Paid family leave is such a good thing because it really helps people who need to care for an ailing parent, a partner, another family member, or welcome a new child without losing either their job or their income. Uh, most people in the U.S. currently can't access paid leave. Uh, many people, we have to decide either to keep working because we need the money or quit our jobs because we don't have um, any other choices. Uh, we know that this particularly hits the Latinx community. One quarter of Latinx workers in 2017 reported they needed to take a family leave in the past two years, but they couldn't take one. So this could be really a game changer. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Professor Yoya Misra of the University of Massachusetts. Thanks again. Thank you. Talking about help, some U.S. families with children will soon have more spending money in their pockets. The IRS will begin sending out payments this summer for some low and moderate income families, depending on the age of their kids. Families will get monthly payments of $200 to $300 to starting July through December. The payments are a part of the increase to the 2021 child tax credit from the American Rescue Plan that passed in March. 
Previously, the amount was $2,000. Now it is $3,000 per child or $3,600 for children under the age of six. The change also allows 17-year-olds to qualify for the first time. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney's time on the party's leadership team appears to be coming to an end. In an audio, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy recently made it clear that he wants Cheney gone as the party's conference chairwoman. I've had it with him. It's, you know, I've lost confidence. Cheney is a consistent critic of former President Trump's false claim that November's election was stolen from him. And she accuses some Republicans of trying to downplay the January attack on the Capitol. Cheney writing an opinion piece in The Washington Post, warning Republicans to steer away from the dangerous and anti-democratic Trump cult of personality. And history is watching. Our children are watching. We must be brave enough to defend the basic principles that underpin and protect our freedom and our democratic process. Meanwhile, Republicans are already prepping to replace her. Many, including Donald Trump, are now backing New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who's known for pushing Trump's unfounded claims that he actually won the 2020 election. Tens of millions of Americans are concerned that the 2020 election featured unconstitutional overreach by unelected state officials and judges ignoring state election laws. In a statement, Trump writing, Elise Stefanik is a far superior choice, and she has my complete and total endorsement for GOP conference chair. GOP whip Steve Scalise also offering up an endorsement of Stefanik. Cheney now is set to have resigned to her fate. She has decided not to phone colleagues to plead her case. However, she does not plan to resign. Even prominent Republicans who in the past supported Cheney are not rushing to her defense. 100% of my focus is on stopping this new administration. Many agree that Cheney's fall within her own party shows that Trump's influence is here to stay. Overall, Liz Cheney voted with Trump's agenda more than 90% of the time, far more than Elise Stefanik. But the key difference here is that unlike Cheney, Stefanik, back in January, voted in favor of overturning Joe Biden's election victory. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And in other political news, in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law the controversial election reform legislation, SB 90. It is just one in a series of nationwide measures opponents say are aimed at suppressing voting. Some of the legislation's more controversial features are limits on drop boxes for hand-delivered voting, restrictions on third-party voter registration efforts, and requirements that voters sign up for vote-by-mail in more frequent intervals. At least one voter advocacy group has vowed to file a legal challenge. While in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill that automatically restores a felon's right to vote after their release. The law also requires the Department of Corrections provide a voter registration form as the felon is leaving the facility. Previously, parolees had to wait four to six weeks to get a pardon and then register to vote on their own. The law takes effect immediately, but portions will be delayed until four months after its signing. 
In other legal news, the Army plans to put a civilian in charge of the command that conducts criminal investigations, a response to major criticism that the unit is understaffed, overwhelmed, and filled with inexperienced investigators. The decision reflects recommendations made by an independent commission in the wake of the violent crimes and murders at Fort Hood, Texas, including the death of Vanessa Guillen, whose remains were found about two months after she was killed. More of you news after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And along the U.S.-Mexico border, a young woman from Guatemala now joining the growing list of victims of coyotes. She left her country, Guatemala, with them, hoping to be reunited with her father in the U.S. But tragically, she died along the way. Traffickers abandoning her body. Now we're hearing from her father, who's devastated. Jenny Aponte has more. <laughs> This father's crying is heartbreaking. Francisco Raimundo says that his 22-year-old daughter Marta left Guatemala with coyotes and was supposed to cross the Mexican-American border last Friday. Marta called him, told him that she was dressed in camouflage to cross in the morning and that she had to get rid of her phone. She sent him a last message in her indigenous language. She only told me, Dad, we are already together. We are ready. His son called him from Guatemala and told him that according to one of the coyotes, Marta crossed over to the United States. They picked her up along with the group that came with her and hid them all inside a vehicle. They drove several hours to a warehouse in Texas. Later, he said that she arrived at the warehouse, but they say she fainted. I thought it was just exhaustion. It was just a fainting spell, but she died. According to Raimundo, it seems that the vehicle was overcrowded with people and it is likely that Marta was trapped without air and crushed by the crowd. They told him that his daughter had died and that her body would be thrown away. Desperate, Raimundo called one of the coyotes to ask where they would leave his daughter's body. They sent him this map where they found Marta's body abandoned on a highway in Odessa, Texas. <laughs> Reported by Vilma Tarazona, this is Gianni Aponte for U News. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.